you're one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday. Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, Archimedes, Eureka and other moments. Your teacher is Dr. Anne Rogerson, the Charles Tesserero Senior Lecturer in Latin at the University of Sydney. Good afternoon. Hello, Richard. It's so interesting because Eureka, of course, is a very familiar, it's probably the most familiar Greek word to Australian ears. I think so. You know, it's this, this fantastic word that, that goes back to the gold rush that gives its name to first the sort of these diggings and then the stockade and the flag and a great moment in, in Australian democracy. Um, but it's actually a word that was first kind of shouted by someone running naked through an ancient Greek city thousands of years ago. Having got out of the bath. Exactly. Why is the bath? I suppose most people know the bath story. Archimedes gets into the bath and notices that his, you know, rather large body, I guess, <laughs> displaces water, and that's when he shouts "Eureka!" What's so important to him about the fact that his body displaces the water? Well, so so Archimedes is this sort of great mathematician um, in Sicily uh, in the so, sort of second, third century, second century, and he's been given a specific problem to work out by the, the, the king of Sicily at the time, who has this crown. And he gave uh, the goldsmith a, a big chunk of gold to make the crown and came back with a beautiful crown. And then Rubens started going around. He, he probably stole some of that gold. This is not a pure gold crown. It's mixed with silver. Well, the, the guy who manufactured the, the it. The guy that manufactured had, it. Had, had ripped off the king. That's the story. And so obviously this is a big, big deal for the king. He's, he's only recently in power. So, you know, it's a bit of a reputational issue for him as well. And he has this chief scientist, Archimedes. And so he goes to him and says, find a way of proving whether this story is true or not. And Archimedes is sort of thinking, thinking, thinking about it. But this is very difficult, isn't it? Because you can't sort of melt down the crown. It's a votive no, offering to the gods, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So there's... You can't do anything to the crown, and there's you know stories in the ancient world. If you try and do something to a votive offering, it comes back to bite you. So you have to just do it with the power of your mind. Um, and so Archimedes is thinking about this problem, and when he's in the bath, and he realizes I am a, like I am a mass, and I have displaced water, and all of a sudden this kind of light bulb moment, or the kind of synapses are going in his brain, and he shouts Eureka, which means I've like I've found it, I've discovered it jumps out of the bath, runs naked back home again and, and begins his experiments. And what he's worked out is that di- um, objects of different mass displace different, different amounts of water or, or some, some, some elements are, are heavier than others. So the same weight of gold will displace a different amount of water as the same weight of silver because you basically need more silver for the weight. Okay, the specific gravity is, is different, isn't exactly, it? So yeah. This is a weird idea, isn't it? So if, if the crown was made totally of silver it would actually displace more water than if it was made of gold because gold is heavier. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So specific gravity is this term, or sometimes you'll hear it called relative density. Um, and so Archimedes does his experiment with a big lump of, of gold of the right weight and a lump of silver of the right weight. And as you say, silver displaces more water. Then he chucks the crown in, in the water and it displaces an amount of water in between those two. So you, okay, you so can that, tell. that bugger who made the thing has used cheaper silver, at least as part of the metal. He's, he's taken some of the gold and substituted silver and pocketed the difference, yeah. Wow. Okay. So Eureka. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about this story is that different people tell it and they bring out different qualities in how they want to tell the story. They do. So, you know, you think it's just about, well, scientific discovery in its kind of purest form. But when you find ancient Greek and Roman writers telling the story, they've all got a different emphasis. So Vitruvius, for example, who writes his treatise on um, architecture uh, under the Emperor Augustus, his big theme is that thinkers are, are better in society than athletes. They should be more valued because they make lasting contributions. So um, 
someone who, you know, can run very fast around a track, that's fantastic. But think about Archimedes. What he did is something that has you know, lasting applications. And Archimedes is his, like, is his final example of how amazing scientists and thinkers and intellectuals really are. Um, whereas, say, Plutarch, for example... Just, just before sorry, that, one, yeah. I mean, one of the nice details about this, I think, is that maybe, just maybe, the fact that he runs naked through the streets is a way of saying he's like an athlete because your athletes were, of course, naked at that time. Absolutely. So, yep, your, your naked athlete can run fast, but uh, your naked kind of mathematician runs just <laughs> as fast and has made an earth-shattering discovery about how the universe works. Um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. Okay, you're going yeah. on to Plutarch, though. I was. So Plutarch, a uh, Greek writer, um, about 100 years or so later than Vitruvius, his big, big thing is that um, there are all these theories about how to be happy, um, in the ancient world. And he, he's having a go at the Epicureans who basically th- think it's not worth pursuing happiness. Um, but he says, that if, you, if you're an Epicurean philosopher, you've denied yourself the pleasures of the life of the mind. And it's in that, and in that, um, above all things, that human beings find happiness. So not in, not in food, not in sex, but actually just in intellectual discovery. So his... Um, his Archimedes has to be dragged by his servants to the bath because he's so busy, like, you know, writing notes and trying to work out his theorem. And even as they're, they're sort of soaping him up, oiling him up, it was for the bath in that day, um, he's, like, do- doodling on his stomach <laughs> so instead of because he doesn't have, a, like, a notepad anymore. So he's, he's doing sums on his tummy. He, exactly, yeah. 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 Um, and, and then it's in that frame of mind of, like, complete scientific obsession that he notices he's done the displacement of water and then he... he the Eureka for Plutarch is not just a mark of like triumphant discovery, but this cry of absolute joy, like the joy mm-hmm. of the mathematician. Yeah, of, yeah. of the life of the, of the mind. Yeah. Uh, he, he invents a whole lot of other things. He's quite an important figure in lots of different sciences. sciences. But he comes to a bad end in the end, doesn't he, in, in terms of the battle between the Greeks and the Romans? Yeah, he does. Um, so he lives, you know, he's in Syracuse. Syracuse is ruled by this tyrant Hero, who then becomes king. And Hero um, is an ally of the Romans, but then Hero dies and the Romans besiege Syracuse. Um, and Archimedes is kind of in, a really important figure in the story of that battle because his, part of his, his sort of scientific kind of contribution is not just an understanding of the physics of the world, um, but invention of various basically um, machines of war. So his, his um, amazing kind of catapults and various other devices managed to ward the Romans off for over a year. Um, but eventually they, they capture the city um, and, and Archimedes dies in the aftermath, in the sacking of the city. They, again, different writers talk about this in different ways. There's a very keenness among the Roman writers not to blame the Roman <laughs> leadership. <clears throat> yeah, so... So it's a difficult story for the Roman uh, leader, this guy called Marcellus, who is a great Roman general, but also a real Hellenophile, like he's big on, um, on Greek culture. And he said um, when he realised that, OK, we've got, we're going to send the soldiers in and sack Syracuse to have given an order, um, to basically don't kill Archimedes, because he's like a great treasure, basically, a kind of living treasure of, of this Greek city. Um, but, but Archimedes is killed. So the, how do you exculpate Marcellus is, is the, the question. Um, and one of the things that you do, you can you can say, well, it's Archimedes' fault. Of course, like he was maybe he was defiant to this soldier, or um, the story is that the soldier comes across him again, still you know scribbling out his his sums and his his calculations, and he's so 
preoccupied that he says to the soldier, oh, let me just finish what I'm doing and then I'll come with you, um, and doesn't realise that actually this is a guy with a sword and the situation is quite serious. So he's sort of, um, his death is caused by him being too much of a boffin, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, or you take the, the story, um, spins the other way and say it was all this, the fault of this unknown Roman soldier, right? He's either... Um, uneducated, so he doesn't realise that there's a genius at work here, um, or he's greedy. He thinks that Archimedes' sort of scientific instruments will, like, will make him a lot of money, um, so he kills him just for gain. Mm. Um, but either way, not Marcellus's fault. Yeah, one one last story about Archimedes. There's a great levers story, isn't there, where he says to his king, "Look, um, you've got to understand what levers can do." Yes, so he he's, he sort of works out the principles of how levers work and, and then says to Hero, well, if you give me something solid to stand on, I could move the world. Um, Which is a famous quote. Very famous, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then, and then Hero says, okay, great, can you move something really heavy for me? Um, and there's this story about him seeing a, a ship from the um, the fleet that's been pulled up onto the shore, you know, huge amount of effort, lots and lots of people pulling up this massive, massive ship. Um, and he sits down on the beach and puts together a kind of system of pulleys and, and levers and so on, and then just pulls it gently towards him, you know, with just kind of the touch of, you know, a single person, yes, yes. sort of probably quite a weedy person too. Um, yes. Yeah. But imagine the miracle when he does that to, you know, a huge ship and pulls it, yeah, you know. He, yes, I think he was sort of recognised as this, this amazing genius in his own day, and that's the reputation that's come down to us too. Right. Well, when we shout a reek or even when we have a bath, we'll think of Archimedes. Hey, thank you so much. <laughs> Wonderful, thank you. There you, you go. There's Dr Anne Rogerson. She's Charles Tesserero, lecturer in Latin at the University of Sydney. You can listen, of course, to her lesson back again online, abc.net.au slash self-improvement and uh, yeah you can also subscribe to the free self-improvement wednesday podcast next week a lesson from professor fred watson australia's astronomer at large